Welcome to Five at Eight. I'm Mark Overman, and this morning I'm joined by Linda Carlisle. It's Wednesday, January 3rd, 2024. In this episode, we will talk about a Japan Airlines flight collision at Haneda Airport in Tokyo. Ukrainians facing heavy aerial bombardment from Russia. Thames Waters investor slashing the value of its stake. BYD surpassing Tesla in electric vehicle sales. And the use of artificial intelligence to detect methane emissions and assist in various climate-related activities. Story number one. According to the BBC... A Japan Airlines flight carrying 379 people collided with a Coast Guard aircraft while landing at Haneda Airport in Tokyo. The collision caused the Airbus A350 to catch fire, filling the cabin with smoke. Passengers described the chaos and panic as they fled the burning plane, with some jumping down inflatable slides to escape. Despite the terrifying ordeal, all passengers on the Japan Airlines flight managed to escape unharmed. However, five people on the Coast Guard aircraft were killed and the pilot was seriously injured. Investigators are still trying to determine how two planes ended up on the same runway at the same time. Videos and statements from passengers provide a glimpse into the terrifying moments during and after the collision. The successful evacuation and use of new technology are credited with ensuring the survival of all passengers on the Japan Airlines flight. Did you read about that plane crash in Tokyo, Linda? Man, what a nightmare scenario for everyone involved. But it's truly a testament to how far aviation safety has come that all 379 people on board managed to escape. It's like a miracle, right? I was reading about how the composite carbon fiber materials used in constructing the Airbus A350 played a significant role in the passengers' survival. It's fascinating to see how advances in technology can have such a profound impact on safety. Oh, for sure. The plane held up remarkably well to both the initial collision and the subsequent fire. It makes you appreciate the importance of these new materials and technologies. But let's not forget the crew's role in this. They managed a textbook evacuation in the crucial first few minutes after impact. Definitely. The crew's quick thinking and efficient execution of the evacuation plan were critical. But it's also a reminder that while technology is important, human factors play a vital role in such situations. Training, presence of mind, and effective communication can make all the difference. It's like a well-oiled machine, right? Everyone doing their part to ensure survival. But it's also a sobering reminder that despite all our progress and precautions, accidents can still happen. It's crucial that we continue to learn from these incidents to further improve safety. Agreed, Mark. While we celebrate the successful evacuation and the survival of passengers, we must also remember the five individuals who lost their lives. This incident shows how important it is for us to continuously innovate and improve safety protocols. Every life is precious. Story number two. According to the BBC, Ukrainians have welcomed the new year under heavy aerial bombardment as Russia continues its attacks on the country. The city of Kiev has been hit with four hours of drone and missile strikes, while residents in other cities such as Odessa and Kharkiv have also experienced deadly attacks. Air raid alerts have been sounding across Ukraine, and an interactive map shows alerts covering more than half the country. The attacks have resulted in civilian casualties, including the death of a 15-year-old boy in Odessa. Ukraine has retaliated with attacks on the Russian city of Belgorod, resulting in 25 deaths. President Zelensky has promised to increase domestic production of weapons and ammunition, including drones, in response to the conflict. Meanwhile, residents in Crimea, 
which is under Russian occupation, celebrated the new year cautiously due to the risk of prosecution for showing resistance. When you think about what's happening in Ukraine, it's heartbreaking, Linda. The New Year celebrations were marred by the sound of air raid sirens and the terror of drone strikes. Can't help but admire the resilience of these folks, though, still trying to maintain some semblance of normality amidst the chaos. Yes, Mark. It's a testament to the indomitable human spirit. The text message from Hannah Celeste really struck me, seeking shelter in a basement car park, yet still holding on to her glass of champagne. It's a poignant image, isn't it? A mix of fear and defiance and just a hint of an unbroken spirit. And they're not just passive victims, mind you. President Zelensky's New Year's address shows a determination to fight back. He's talked about ramping up domestic production of weapons and a million drones. That's a leader who's standing his ground. True, Mark. But it's also important to note the psychological toll this conflict is taking on the civilians. The situation with Katerina sheltering in the bathroom while drones hovered above her home... It's terrifying. It's a stark reminder that war isn't just about military strategy and political power plays. It's about people's lives hanging in the balance. You're spot on, Linda. And let's not forget about the folks living under Russian occupation in Crimea. Displaying a yellow trident, Ukraine's national symbol on a Christmas tree bauble could land them in trouble. Yet they do it, risking persecution, because preserving their cultural identity is just as important to them. Mark, it's a reminder that resistance isn't always about armed conflict. Sometimes it's these quiet acts of defiance that keep the spirit of a nation alive. It's a difficult situation, but as we've seen from history, it's adversity that often brings out the best in us. Let's hope for a peaceful resolution soon. Story number three. According to The Guardian, Thames Water's second largest investor, the University Superannuation Scheme, USS, has slashed the value of its stake in the debt-laden utility by almost two-thirds. The write-down comes after Thames Water admitted that it cannot afford debt repayments. USS reported a loss of almost £600 million last year after the value of its stake in Thames Water's parent company, Kemble Water, fell from £956 million in 2022 to £364 million in 2023. This suggests that the value of Thames Water has plummeted from almost £5.0 billion to £1.9 billion. The company is struggling to raise funds to tackle its £18 billion debt and invest in infrastructure improvements. How about that news from Thames Water, huh? Second largest investor slashing its stake value like there's no tomorrow. There's some serious financial turbulence going on over there. The financial condition of Thames Water is quite alarming, the fact that they admitted to not having enough money for their debt repayments is rather unsettling. And this is not just about the investors or the company's bottom line, it's a concern for the general public as well. We're talking about the UK's largest water supplier here. Right, right. And it sounds like this isn't a sudden development, it's been brewing for a while. I mean, the company's debt pile is around, what, 18 billion pounds? That doesn't just happen overnight. That's correct, Mark. Thames Water's financial woes seem to be a result of a combination of factors. Underinvestment over multiple decades, rising energy prices, other inflationary cost pressures, and perhaps some operational mismanagement. It's not really a unique situation either. We've seen similar struggles in other utility sectors as well. Yeah, yeah, I remember something about that. And it's not just a problem for the company and its investors, right? If the company is struggling financially, then that might impact the quality of the services they provide. 
Plus, there's the potential fallout for pension funds like the University Superannuation Scheme, which has a substantial stake in Thames Water. The implications are far-reaching. Financial instability in such a critical sector can have a domino effect. The public relies on these utilities, and investors like pension funds need stable returns. It's a delicate balance that needs to be maintained. In the case of Thames Water, it's clear that balance has been upset. So what's the solution here, Linda? I mean, if the company can't meet its debt repayments, do we start talking about government intervention? After all, we're talking about an essential public service here. Well, Mark, that's a difficult question. The government does have a role to play in such crises. It may have to consider emergency renationalization or rescue plans. But it's also important for utilities to establish sustainable financial models and ensure infrastructure maintenance to prevent such situations from arising in the first place. It's a complex issue with no easy answers, but robust dialogue and strategic thinking are certainly needed. Story number four. In a report from the BBC, Chinese company BYD has surpassed Tesla in electric vehicle sales for the last quarter of 2023, selling a record 526,000 battery-only vehicles. This marks the first time BYD's sales have outpaced Tesla's in this category. However, for the entire year of 2023, Tesla still sold more electric vehicles. Tesla reported delivering a record 484,500 electric vehicles in the last quarter of 2023 and 1.8 million for the year. While Tesla's performance exceeded expectations, it fell short of earlier projections. BYD's achievement highlights the competitiveness of the electric vehicle market and the challenges Tesla faces in maintaining its leading position. BYD sold over 3 million new energy vehicles in 2023, with almost 1.6 million being battery-only vehicles. BYD's success can be attributed to its in-house battery production, which allows for cost savings and flexibility in pricing. Do you see this, Linda? BYD, a Chinese company, has outpaced Tesla's electric car sales in the last quarter of 2023. It's like David taking on Goliath in the EV sector. It's clear that the dynamics in this industry are shifting rapidly. It's a significant moment, isn't it? BYD's achievement is a testament to the increasing competitiveness in the global EV market, and their strategy of manufacturing their own batteries, one of the most expensive parts of an EV, is paying off. They're not just dependent on selling cars, but also on their original business, batteries. It's an interesting contrast to Tesla's approach. It's almost like comparing Apple's early decision to make its own chips, a move that gave them a significant edge in the tech industry. Now, we're seeing a similar dynamic play out in the EV market. BYD's in-house battery production allows them to control their costs more effectively, giving them a competitive advantage. But we must also consider the broader economic and political landscape. The EV market doesn't exist in a vacuum. Factors such as trade policies, government subsidies, and even geopolitical tensions can all influence the market dynamics. For instance, the U.S. government's focus on limiting China's role in the electric car market could have implications for companies like BYD. It's a complex web of interrelated factors. It's not just about who makes the best EV anymore, it's also about navigating the global economic and political landscape. The auto industry has always been a chess game, but the stakes are even higher now with the shift to electric. It will be interesting to see how Tesla and BYD adapt to these challenges. Yes, and let's not forget about the consumers. Their preferences and behavior can influence the market. 
As more people become environmentally conscious, the demand for EVs is likely to increase. It's a promising sector, but also a challenging one. There's a lot at stake for both Tesla and BYD, and it will be fascinating to see how this rivalry unfolds. It's a thrilling time to be watching the EV market, and I'm sure our listeners will be just as interested to see how this all plays out. It's not just about the cars anymore. It's about the future of our planet, our economies, and our way of life. Story number five. Climate analytics firm Kairos, as reported by NPR, is using artificial intelligence, AI, to analyze satellite data and detect methane emissions around the world. Methane, the second biggest contributor to global warming after carbon dioxide, is released by the energy sector, agriculture, and decomposing material in landfills. Kairos's AI technology has enabled the detection of dozens of methane leaks every week, providing crucial information on the sources of emissions. The United Nations is using Kairos's data, as stated by NPR, to verify companies' reports on methane emissions, while other governments are implementing new methane regulations. AI is also being used to detect small forest burns before they escalate into megafires. Berlin-based startup Dryad uses AI-equipped sensors in forests to identify the specific gases released during organic material burns, allowing for early detection and prompt extinguishing. Additionally, NPR reports that AI is being employed to assist burn managers in making controlled burns outside of fire season. These intelligent assistants access vast datasets and complex models to provide information on factors such as wind conditions and vegetation moisture, ensuring safe and effective controlled burns. Finally, NPR states that AI is being used to explore for critical minerals needed for climate solutions like solar panels and electric vehicles. By analyzing data, AI helps identify areas with the best potential for mining critical metals, saving time and money in the search for mineral resources. Tell you what, Linda, this rising trend of using artificial intelligence as a tool in climate solutions is fascinating. Methane emissions, being the second biggest contributor to global warming, are being tracked daily through AI interpretation of satellite images. Ain't that something? It's amazing how technology is enabling us to understand and address the complexities of climate change. But as Sasha Lucioni points out, we need to be cautious about the carbon footprint of these AI applications themselves. There's, um, a certain paradox to it that cannot be ignored. No doubt, Linda. It's like walking a tightrope, balancing the benefits against the potential environmental cost. But look at the other side. The way AI is helping to detect wildfires early in their smoldering stage, it's a game-changer for forest conservation, wouldn't you say? Certainly, Mark. Using AI to train sensors to detect specific gases released when organic material burns, it's a, um, revolutionary approach. It's a stark reminder of how technology can be harnessed to mitigate climate disasters, but we must also remember the importance of controlled burns and the role of AI in making these burns safe and efficient. And how about the way AI is being used to explore for critical minerals like cobalt, lithium, and copper? It's like we're unlocking a whole new frontier for sustainable energy sources. The way I see it, technology is not just a part of the problem, but also a crucial part of the solution. That's a very insightful point, Mark. As with most things in life, technology, too, has its, um, dual nature. It's about how we use it, ensuring that we harness its potential for good while minimizing the adverse impacts. Ultimately, the responsibility lies with us. 
That's it for this morning. Have a great day and see you all tomorrow. Five at Eight is researched, written, and performed by artificial intelligence. For more information, visit botcaster.ai.